Good afternoon, this is Quintus Curtius, and welcome back to Fortress of the Mind. And in this podcast episode, we're going to be talking about a few questions I recently received by reader emails. The first question involves the issue of dealing with some of the responsibilities of leadership. And the other question involves a reader who's dealing with a passive-aggressive boss and What's the best way to deal with that? What's the best way to overcome that? So we'll go through those two questions here. And we'll start with the first one. We'll get right down into it, right into the heart of the matter. And in this first question, this is a reader who I think works either in a security or military field. I think it's a security field. He doesn't say specifically, but what he's asking is, he's in a job where they have to breach barriers and get into rooms and to either do hostage rescue or arrests or things like that. So I think it's a security or police type of job. And he's often involved in situations where he has to command a team of men and they have to breach through doors, go inside a room where there may be hostiles, where there may be possibility of of, uh, of shooting things like that. And I guess they call this a stack, a stack of men. He says he has no problem when he's at the front of the stack in being the door kicker, kicking in the door, entering the room. But somehow he says he doesn't feel very comfortable, doesn't feel very good about the fact when he's in a situation where he has to hang back and order his men to enter the room and he's not a direct participant. And he knows that there may be casualties. He knows that there may be injuries. He knows knows that, that bad things may happen. He just doesn't really feel comfortable about that. And so his question to me was, what do you think of that? Is there something wrong? Do, what sort of mental state do I need to overcome in order to feel more comfortable with that? And this is a very good question because it brings out the issues of what are some of the responsibilities of leadership? What are some of the real difficult positions and choices that men in responsibility need to make? And it involves a quality that I call being able to pull the trigger, being able to pull the trigger. And what I mean by that is this. In every position of responsibility, of real responsibility, whether you're a, a law enforcement, security officer, police officer, military officer, whether you're a, a doctor who's making big decisions on the operating table that may decide the health and welfare of a patient or the possible death of a patient, or if you are an attorney doing a trial and you know that you have to make split-second decisions that will forever affect the life and the welfare of your client. If you are in one of these jobs, you have to be a consummate professional. You have to be able to have that quality of detachment. You have to have that quality of detachment. And what I mean by this is, when you're the man in charge, if you're the lawyer, you're the doctor, if you're the police officer, if you're the SWAT team member or SWAT team leader or leader of the squad or platoon who has to order your men 
on missions where you know some of them may not ever come back. Or if you're a lawyer and you know that you're taking a case of trial and you may not win and you may feel that chances are extremely remote or that your guy is going to be facing years in prison. You have to do the best you can. That's your job. That's why, as we used to say, that's why you get paid the big bucks. That's why you're in the position of responsibility because that falls on your shoulders. And I understand totally what this guy is saying. It's not a position that sits well or sits easily with the average guy. Heavy lies the head that wears the crown, I think is what Shakespeare said or something like that. I don't know if I have the quote exactly right. Heavy hangs the head, heavy lies the head that wears the crown. If you're wearing the crown, you're the one that's going to have to go through the trials. You're the one who's going to have to go through the the terrible decisions. And you're never going to fully feel comfortable with that. You're never going to fully feel comfortable with it. Now, you may get to a point where you can reach a level of detachment, but it's never an easy thing. It's never an easy thing. And um, a lot of guys can't deal with it. A lot of guys just can't deal with it. But I'm going to give you my opinion on some of the qualities that you need to cultivate in order to get to that position of detachment where you can make these life and death decisions without feeling undue stress. Because if you start to think about these things too much, it's going to affect your performance. You're going to fuck up. If you start overanalyzing this stuff, you start thinking about it, you're not going to have that that edgy quality of being able to make the hard decisions. So let me tell you what I think, what I've concluded from my years of being in those situations. And I have been in those situations, believe me. Number one, you have to have a mental quality of detachment. You have to, and this is kind of hard to explain. And I'm not, when I say detachment, I don't mean that you don't care about your job. That's not what I mean at all. It means that you have to have a certain quality where you're confident in the research that you've done, you're confident in the preparations that you've made, you're confident in your own abilities, and when the time comes to make the call, you make the call. Make the call. You pull the trigger. This is what I mean by detachment. And not everyone understands this. So you have to have that quality of detachment. And you're not going to get that quality of detachment unless you feel confident. Unless you feel confidence. And you're not going to get that feeling of confidence unless you've done your preparation. You've got to know your area. You've got to know the subject in and out, up and down, through and through. Because your men will sense it if you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. They'll feel it. They'll sense it. Your client will sense it. Your men will sense it. If you don't know what you're doing, you won't be able to impart that feeling of confidence. I think you've got that mastered. I think you know what you're doing. I just think you're feeling a little bit edgy. You're feeling a little bit last-minute hesitation. You'll get over it. You'll get over it. You have to have a certain quality of ruthlessness. And I hate to put it in those terms, but that's the reality. 
You have to have a certain detached ruthlessness if you want to lead men, if you want to be the one in positions of responsibility. To lead men, you have to, in some ways, turn your back on them. And this takes me to my second point, which is you can't get too close to your people. You have to maintain a position of professional detachment. And that will enable you to make those calls, those life and death calls, more easily. You see, because when you're the one who's the squad leader, when you're the guy who's in charge of the stack, you can't always be there with them. You have to send them through that room, and there are going to be times, dates, situations where you know some of them may take a bullet, or they may get injured, or bad things may happen, and you have to be able to do that. You can't be everywhere at once. You can't be everywhere at once. If you're a lawyer and you're taking a case to trial, you may know that things are not going to go in your favor and you may know that you have no other choice. And you can't be your client's buddy. He's not paying you to be his buddy. He's paying you to be his lawyer. He's paying you to represent him. You're not his buddy. You're not there to be his friend. You're not there to be his drinking buddy. You're not there to go out with him, to hang out with him, to put your arms around him. You're not there to be his friend. You're there to be his legal representative. And in this era of chicken shitism, in this era of wimpishness, in this era of pussies that we live in, not many can understand this. Not many can appreciate this. And if you're a doctor, you've got to be able to make the call. You've got to be able to make those hard decisions of life and death because if you can't do that, you're not worth shit. You are shit. And you should go do something else. Go work at Kinney Shoes, as we used to say. Go work at Sears if you can't handle it. Get the fuck out of my unit. And that's the reality. That's the truth. And this is a legitimate question that this guy has, and I'm not, I'm not criticizing anyone, but I'm just trying to say that the answers are not mollycoddling types of answers. These are hard answers that need to be done. Because think about it. Suppose you were one of those guys in that stack. Suppose, suppose I was a client. Suppose I was a patient. Suppose I was the guy in the unit that's got to go through the door. I've got to have that feeling of confidence in my representative. I've got to have that warm and fuzzy feeling. And you've got to have the balls to pull the trigger. And it, it really is that simple. There's no, there's no way to fake it. Power and leadership, it's the one thing in the world that you can't fake. You can't fake being a leader. You can't fake having power. Either you have it or you don't. And you can train about it. You can talk about it. You can analyze it. And you should. All that stuff is valuable. All, all of the, those things are critical necessities. But at the end of the day, you've got to have a quality of being able to pull the trigger. Pull the trigger. Make the call. Make the call. You know, Ulysses S. Grant may not have been the greatest, most brilliant, most creative general in the world. He couldn't do these virtuoso pirouettes, maybe, that some of his opponents could do. 
But he had a certain quality that no one can deny. And some of the historians call this the two o'clock in the morning courage. He could get up at two o'clock in the morning when his adjutant would come to him and say, Sir, they've turned our flanks. Our whole position on the right may collapse. And Grant could roll out of bed, rub his eyes, put a cigar in his mouth and say, Okay, get me the map. This is what we're going to do. No panic. No drama. No recriminations. No blaming. No whining. No bullshit. Just making the call. Making the call. And this is what you've got to be able to do if you want to be the man in charge. If you want to be the man in charge, you have to make the call. And it really is that simple. And great and mediocre leaders are separated by this quality, this intangible quality. But I think by me providing the examples, providing the encouragement, I think you can get to that point where you need to be. And you will. You'll do it. Get in there and do it. Get in there and make it happen. All right. Let's move on now to the second question. And this is a much more routine, mundane, office job type question. But it's still important because there are many people in this type of situation. And this question involves a guy who's basically working in a financial office. And his question to me is essentially, he's been working at this office, he feels like he's sort of plateaued out in his performance level, and his boss seems to be starting to take this sort of passive-aggressive, hinting-that-you-might-want-to-go type position with him. The specifics are this. The boss made some snide remarks to him, or what I interpret as some passive-aggressive remarks, where the guy's numbers are kind of plateaued out. He's not really feeling very motivated anymore in his job. And I guess in a conversation with his boss, the boss said a a statement, said a sentence that essentially amounted to, well, if you can't get your numbers up, you might want to consider moving on. I just want what's best for you. Now, he worked that language in amongst a whole other set of verbiage. So the language was camouflaged in amongst other words, other conversations. So the impact of it did not resonate as much as, say, if he had just come out and said it on its own. But the guy who's asking me this, he he picked up on this. He caught this dropping of this, this hints in there. And... My questioner here is a little bit frustrated with that because he feels like he's getting he's getting set up for the knockoff. He feels like the guy's making subtle passive aggressive hints and he's getting ready to fire him or push him out. And he's like, "Look, I'm I'm ready to to take some foreign travel. I'm ready to just get out for a little bit, go to South America for a little bit, see the world, do some things. What are your thoughts on that?" Well, these are these are my thoughts. These are my thoughts. First off, I think you're absolutely correct. I think that you are not misreading the signals. When a boss says something to you like, well, you know, you might want to consider looking around for other things and uh, I just want what's best for you and if you can't get the numbers up and, you know, I just want what's best for you. Whenever you hear talk like that, um, to be perfectly blunt, you're screwed. He's teeing you up for the knockoff. Uh, 
you've already been slated for destruction. I hate to say it. And I hate to put it in those terms, brother, but uh, uh, you need to start looking around for alternative plans. I'm not saying you should go in there and quit. I'm not saying you should have a panic attack. I'm not saying you should melt down. But when someone says something like that, there's no mistaking what that means. He's looking for an excuse to get rid of you. And you're not misreading the signs. And I think you know that. I think you know that. And I I think that's why you emailed me and asked me this question. Because you know what's coming. You know what's in the wind. And and I'm here to, to confirm that. You're not imagining it. It really is happening. You know, and I feel there's both good and bad to this outcome, okay? The good is this. Everyone, or almost everyone, has been fired from a job before. It's all happened to us in one form or of another, no matter how it's camouflaged, whether you're asked to leave or you resign or whatever. There are always jobs where things don't work out. And in my experience, it's always a good thing. Usually, because if you are in the wrong job, there's a reason why there's a reason why you need to move on. You should never be stuck in a job where you don't perform well, where you are not happy. I mean, you're not going to be happy every day in every job, but but if you're consistently miserable in a job, you need to be looking elsewhere. And usually you'll feel better if you're in another job. I remember one of the best jobs I ever had came right on the heels of a situation where I was forced out from a different job. So it does happen. And it wasn't really any fault of mine. It was just that I had a personality conflict with a boss who simply was incompetent. And I couldn't just sit there and allow bad things to happen without saying something. And that's the way it was. And I was replaced and put in a new position. This was... This was you know, in the 90s when I was in the military years ago. And I was put in a new position and I was just a stellar performer there. I was ranked, you know, the best um, in my regiment. And um, it turned out to be a, a blessing in disguise. So usually things end up happening for a reason. Usually things end up happening for a reason in that regard. But, you know, the, the, the disappointing thing is I, I hear what you're saying. It's, it sucks that in this world you have to deal with these types of passive-aggressive chicken shits. You know, when I was in situations where I was in charge of large numbers of people, it should never come as a surprise to anyone if you're relieving them or replacing them or firing them. It should never come as a surprise because what a good person does, what an honorable leader does, is you counsel people. You give people regular and constant feedback on their progress. And if they are not performing up to a level that is acceptable, they're going to know it. We would, I would have counseling forms. I would give regular counseling. I would have people sign the forms. I would provide regular and constant feedback so that if someone was not performing, they knew it. They were given chances, and and it was very clear, if this is not happening by this date, I'm going to have to replace you. And that's it. And even though people don't like being told that, deep down they're going to respect you. Deep down they're going to like it. I never had a problem with that system. Never had a problem. Because deep down people know that they're screwing up. Deep down they want you to, to axe them. When I say axe, I mean A-X-E, drop the hammer. They want you to drop the hammer on them. 
They want you to drop the axe on them because they know they don't belong there. And our, our society, to its fault, cultivates this passive-aggressive. In America, nobody really says what they mean anymore. Everybody's too politically correct to say what they think. You can't really say what you think because everybody's a chicken shit. And so you're forced to hide behind these platitudes, these uh, these euphemisms for things, these camouflages for things, and it only succeeds in inflicting more pain, more emotional drain on people than there needs to be. All it does is just prolong the agony. All it does is just prolong the agony. So that's my advice. If you're ever in a position of leadership, be a leader, be a man. Say what you think, mean what you say, give people regular counseling and feedback so that if someone is a substandard substandard performer, you've got documentation for it. You've got to have documentation for situations where you're trying to get rid of somebody, you're trying to replace someone. In today's world, it's just a requirement. And little chicken shit asides like this boss made to you uh, is his way of communicating. Start looking around. I would not have said something like that, but that's just the reason why I'm different from others. So that's what I think. So this will conclude our podcast here at Fortress of the Mind, and I hope you've learned something here from these two questions that we've gone through today. And until next time, I'm Quintus Curtius. Good night.